Blog Talk Radio. We'll go back in time. The seasons pass. The 22 men grace the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory. 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron great. Welcome to gridiron great football history. It's my mobile Gridiron great public and broadcasting network. We can jump shoot with Swick Enterprises, and we're live. Southport, North Carolina, home of Good Iron Grapes Magazine. Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Good Iron Grapes Magazine. I'll be your host for the show. Good Iron Grapes is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You'll find us on the web at RedIronGreatsMagazine.com At this time, I'd like to introduce my co-host, the senior contributing writer to Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Large. Hey, hail, Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires, Joe. Welcome to the show this evening. Ah, Bob, so good to be back. I'm still getting used to, uh, you know, not hearing Wallingford, Connecticut. But, uh, you know, hey, I'll I'll get used to it. It, it, It's still got to be weird for you. I mean, a decade of saying Wallingford. Well, I'm becoming much more comfortable in my new setup (laughs) here. uh, As i going through my collection, spending at least two to three hours a day on it. And it's just... So many memories just come pouring back, going through stuff, resorting stuff, putting stuff on shelves and the like. And uh, what, a, what an amazing, um, some amazing stuff I have. I, I'm just, I forgot about some stuff, so nice seeing some stuff, a lot of memories on it, and uh, <laughs> just great. It's great. I do not miss in any way, shape, or form. I will be very blunt, the weather of New England at this time. Even though I've got a little cool here, I have no problem with not worrying about snow anymore, uh, tornadoes, microbursts. Yeah, the hurricanes I can deal with. We had a few of those in Connecticut anyways, but it's sunny and warm, and I really like it. I really feel good. I I think you're getting an opportunity. uh, You're getting an opportunity to do something a lot of us don't, which is to go through our collection. You 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 have you're doing it a couple times. You did it once, packing up, 
deciding what was, what was worth sending and uh, sending out little care packages, one of which I was the recipient of. Uh, and then when you're there, you're unpacking, and you're also filtering through again. You're, you're, you're getting to go through your, your amazing collection twice and do what a lot of us don't get a chance to do, enjoy it. Simply sit there and enjoy it. Well, that's, that's the way I look at it. That's the way I feel about it. And I'm being selfish about it because I am enjoying it. I do have the time being semi-retired now. And uh, I just, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think packing it up was too, was a lot, very stressful for me because I did get rid of uh, probably well over 600 publications and books, programs, things yeah. of that nature. I did get rid of um, the rest of my hockey cards I had, believe it or not, which I gave to my nephew to sell or disperse, whatever he wanted to do with it. And um, a couple other things that I had, uh, mementos, I gave I gave to my nephew also to keep him, you know, if he wanted to hand it down to his son, my great nephew, whatever, it was, it was his call on it, so on and so forth. So it was, it was bittersweet packing it up, and then not seeing it for five and a half months really was stressful because, again, we did not move into the house until the end of uh, January, yeah. the first day of February. So I didn't I see anything for five and yeah. a half months, and... Uh, you know, the only thing that, you know, looking at stuff on VSC, looking at stuff online, and then actually physically buying some packs, which Brenda said at the end, why don't you just buy a few packs of cards and open them up and, and uh, <laughs> you know, just get back to the swing a little. And I did, and, and but it, it just wasn't exciting for me because, uh, you know, I couldn't even keep track of all the different inserts in the, in the packs or whatever. So actually when I... Going through it now the second time, it, it is enjoyable, and uh, I still have stuff to go, still have stuff deciding to keep in the collection, the run, or get rid of, so on and so forth. And I still have a lot of my inventory that I, I took from Connecticut yeah. to sell, and, you know, I'm still doing that at the same time. Tonight, we're going to have, or actually this afternoon, we're going to have an open forum show, uh, which basically has been developed by my illustrious co-host here, Joe. Uh, and uh, we're, we're going to be looking at a, a bunch of different things. And the first thing we're going to look at is I, I'm assuming, and I really haven't read a lot, and fill me in if I'm wrong, but a lot of uh, or some items from the Glenn Christensen uh, Green Bay Packer collection is a, currently in a heritage auction. Um, do you know any more about it, Joe, than I do, or what's going on here? Yeah, you yeah, you're spot on, uh, friend of the show, uh, and you know, uh, past uh, super collector, gridiron greats, uh, guest, you know, of the podcast, Glenn Christensen. Um, you know, I, you know, there are fans, and then there are fanaticals. You know, that put you know puts a fan in fanatical. Uh, you know, Glenn is, you know, the, you know, one of probably one of the premier Green Bay Packer fans and collectors that we've bumped into. I mean, his super collector issue was, it, it was just, it was Green Bay Packer pornography being in his, you know, in his hobby room. Uh, and it had to be enjoyable slash jealousy for you to be going through all that, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, on a scale of one to 10, you know, you know, you know between, between you and uh, me and our guests, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, you know, you know, what is he, as a Packer collector, and what would you rate yourself, Bob? Well, I, I, to me, 
um, try, just trying to comprehend everything he had is just impossible for me. I still have the mm-hmm. catalog he had looking at it. It was funny. I pulled it out today when I was posting the stuff on the Packer yearbook, so I, I glanced through it again. And then when you sent me this, and I, and I started looking at the auction, I, I, I'm wondering two things. A, I wondered if he's just paring down what he want, what he's actually going to keep and collect, which I'm assuming is what's going on. And B, or is he just going to have a really focused theme to his collection, um, yeah. and and to try try to to get you know try to just keep things more manageable at the same time. I can't personally handle um, collecting everything there possibly could be for the Packers. I just couldn't do it. I like having certain type items. I like yeah. having anything that has Bart Starr on it. Um, that's what I, I basically look at. You know, the media guide run, the yearbook run, that's fun. And, it you know, it doesn't take up that much space, even though it does take up space. But at the same time, it's still, you're still examining the history of the team type of thing. You know what I mean? But there's so much eye candy here. It's just, it's just incredible to look at <laughs> the stuff that he has. Uh, it's just just amazing and i and i still haven't really really looked at any looked at it completely um i've still been going through it at the same time the one thing that what i would would focus on in his things he has for auction is looking at the bart star stuff let's see if yeah. there's anything there that i could really uh you know would really fit in or you or i would want to use uh for my collection of bart star stuff which i'm definitely expanding while i'm down here and narrowing my other stuff at the same time. So, well, it is for that. Uh, totally. Fun. As luck would have it, there is a, uh, uh, where was I? I just had it and I, I clicked on it and then lost it. it Lot number uh, four, four. And this is the Heritage Auction that opens uh, in a week on October 27th. But the viewing is available right now. You can go in and, uh, and watch items or track them. The lot number 44404, uh, that's four, four fours, uh, is a type one photo of Bart Starr receiving the Player of the Year Award in 1967. And it's Bart yep. holding yep. His, and a really nice lithograph. Uh, I don't know who the gentleman handing him thing is, but pretty damn cool handsome man uh prime of his career and what what really starts this auction off is a uh is a picture of lambo it's a type one photo of lambo uh (laughs) from uh like 1961 and while you were talking i was like man it's hard to believe the guy was you know died you know less than 20 years later just you know, you know, on the scene, amazing coach, changed the way things were, won a couple Super Bowls, you know, and then moved on. I just, you know, I, 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 I doubt most people know he moved on to the Redskins for a little while. Um, but, right. but no, but yeah, pretty amazing here. But, you know, uh, Bart Starr photo. And then the lot before that, 44403, is a type one photo of Bart Starr in a game throwing a pass. Uh, this funny you mentioned Bart Starr. There he is. Um, but pretty amazing. I don't know how much of this is from Glenn Christensen. Heritage, Heritage has done a really good job 
of listing the stuff that's from the Glenn Christensen, uh, you know, uh, collection just for the provenance of it. Um, so I, I would imagine if it's not, you know, if it's not listed as Glenn's collection, it, it's not because that, obviously the provenance of that is, you know, is pretty good if it came from his. Um, but, uh, yeah, footballs, signed autographed footballs from his collection, uh, you know, um, let me jump into the category here because I clicked on that link. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, so autographed team footballs from the Packers uh, rings. There's a 1967 Super Bowl one Packers ring. The salesman mm-hmm. sample, but it is still an authentic ring. And, it, and they listed it as from the Glenn Christensen uh, collection. I mean, a, a, a Super Bowl one, the, the first Super Bowl, the big one, the big game, and uh, a ring. It, it, if you sit back and think about what would be the holy grail of Green Bay Packer collection, is that it? I mean, is, is that one of the things? Well, I think I think the holy grail would be, which we would never see, is Vince Lombardi's Super Bowl rings, number oh. one. Oh, man. And then number two, number two is to see something of Curly Lambeau from one of his championships. And yeah. uh, I think I think the Lombardi rings would be just an incredible, oh, incredible man. type of, you know, and, and it, it would be a once-in-a-lifetime deal. I'm sure it's not for sale. I'm sure it would be in a museum or whatever type of thing. And uh, for me, my holy grail would be, and I, I'm toying around with the idea of doing it, but I know it, it's going to be tough, is to put together a run of ticket stubs and programs from all the games that Bart Starr played in with the Packers. Not coached, but just played in. And mm-hmm. um, I think that would be pretty cool. I, and I, the, my, one of my projects down here is to actually match how many programs I have from that era uh, which is not a lot. I, if I have 20, 20, that's probably a lot. And maybe a matching 20 ticket stubs, but not necessarily from those programs. And uh, it would be, it would be, you know, a challenge. It would be a lot of bucks put out because again, you got to find Super Bowl one and two uh, ticket stubs, which are pricey. And yeah. um, you know, his early the nineteen fifty nine season pro, uh, ticket stubs and programs are not plentiful out there to say the least. So, yeah. you know, looking at 59, 59 to what, uh, 71, it would, it would definitely be a challenge to say the least. So, and I would not do, not the ones he just started. I would do all of them that he was actually a Packer on the roster, whether he played or not. Because there were games in the 60s he was injured and he didn't play type of thing. But uh, hmm. I think that would be, that would be a very cool, uh, collect, you know, collectible. I mean, I know people do have done Elway, People have done Favre. People yeah. are doing Rogers right now, and he, and that's pretty much a moot point now since all ticket stubs are on the phone now. So there's yeah. no physical ticket. So I know some collectors are actually printing those out and uh, either selling them or just keeping them for themselves, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's not so, the yeah, yeah, and not, the, yeah, not the, the same reality. Yeah, we've yeah we've talked about how that's kind of the end of the year, but 
there's also in this an authentic. It's not it's not in the Bigland uh, Christensen collection, but there's an, an authentic Super Bowl ring from player uh, offensive guard Frederick Fuzzy Thurston. Uh, 1967 yep. authentic Super Bowl ring, and the estimate is 100,000 plus. Pretty impressive. Yeah. World champion and Green Bay Packers, 1966 on the top. A, a single diamond on the sign is on the side is his last name, his number, and 1961, 62, 65, and 66 on a Green Bay helmet, which you know notes the championships plus the the first big one. Super Bowl, and then on the other side is you know Green Bay twenty four Dallas twenty seven Green Bay thirty five Kansas City it just it runs off and then the you know three core values that uh, Lombardi had harmony courage and valor um, what yep. an impressive ring what a historical ring just amazing impressive. amazing amazing stuff and the other thing another tough holy grail for me would be an actual game used Burt Star helmet. And that would be tricky oh. trying to get the, wow. the uh, province on it, uh, you know, because, again, well, my, you know, Joe Schmo gave it to my, uh, you know, uncle 45 years ago after the game type of thing. Well, yeah, you have no idea. I mean, you really got to have some, you know, specific stuff to actually make it uh, seem that it is uh, real, so on and so forth. So that's another another holy grail. Uh that I doubt seriously oh, I'll, I'll ever, <laughs> to say the mm. least. But uh, <laughs> that, there, there's some some incredible stuff in there. But I also I also see there's thing there uh, from a guy that you collect. Uh, that's Mr. <laughs> Larger. And uh, I looked this out briefly. And what what are you what are your thoughts? Describe it first, and what are, you are the expert on him. So <laughs> what is the significance? significance of that piece well it is a game used uh, uh game used and worn uh seattle seahawks eve large jersey it's also got an autograph the autograph's pretty faint so uh which is kind of interesting but uh he you know you know i, lo- I love their write-up uh, 14-year career with the, uh, you know, with the Seahawks, prolific, uh, elite, prolific, clutch receiver, football history. When he retired in 1989, he held every major NFL receiving mark. Career receptions, 819. Receiving yards, 13,089. Receiving touchdowns, 100, which he, you know, uh, broke Don Hudson's record in consecutive games with a catch, number 177, which he broke Harold Carmichael Michael's record. Uh, and I'm looking, uh, you know, in my office, I'm looking, and to the left of my desk, I have a Hall of Fame catch, which is when he broke the streak um, in it. I mean, and obviously that's the game, but uh, but they just say it's a game-used jersey. And uh, they also say it's, we know it's a game-used, but we don't know which game. So there's a provenance issue. It's just like you just said a minute ago, the Holy Grail would be a game-used Bart Starr helmet. But, I mean, you know, hey, Joe Schmo had this, I mean, how do you know? How do you how do you connect provenance? You know of a you know of how do you right, prove it right. unless hair on it or a, or a scuff or you know some stain? And uh, Todd Tobias is going through the same issue right now where he found a game used Lance Allworth jersey, and he's ninety nine percent sure. But you, you if you stroke a big check for a, a game used jersey like that, 
you kind of want it to be 100%. He knows Lance Allworth. I mean, he took it to Lance. He has a picture of Lance Allworth holding this game-used jersey he bought. You know, but this is 55 years ago. Lance is like, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, Todd knows more about uh, game-used, you know, Lance Allworth jerseys than Lance does. <laughs> so that's just it. Here's, here's this game-used 1989 last, you know, last you know, year he played. And uh, it comes with an LOA, but uh, you know we, we've seen those we've seen those go bad. Right. So, right. Uh, I'm, love it. I'm curious. I'm curious. Do you have any uh, game use stuff from larger, like helmets or balls or anything like that? I mean, I joke around and say a jock strap, but uh, you know, no, I no, I don't have anything game use. Uh, it's not really what I select. It's I I, I yeah, would go after true. this this jersey. I, I will go after this jersey because it is, you know, they they say it, it comes with an LOA. I mean, at some point I won't just because it doesn't fit my collection, but um, I don't know. I have, I, I don't have a lot of game used stuff. It's just not really what I collect. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you said, you can't collect everything that has to do with the Packers. Right. And I'm the same. I, uh, I, half those numbers. I don't have, I don't, I don't have anything game used in my collection. I'll be honest with you. I mean, you know, the closest game used thing I got are is the ticket stuff in the program from the game. That's it. You know, I don't have any footballs that were used. The only thing I have is that white, um, which I still say is probably a a a early fifties NFL football. I don't know if it's game used or not, um, and I really can't figure it out one way or the other. It might, and I still say in my own mind it was probably just a store model that really got a lot of use. And then I've had uh, people look at it and say, you know, this could actually be an early NFL game where they use white balls uh, so they could see the ball better type of thing. And, yeah. um, again, that was, a, that was a tax sale deal I got. I found it at a tax sale. I had no clue what it was. I bought it from him. I didn't spend a lot of money from him. It's not in the greatest shape either. But I was saying to myself, I, I, wonder if, I really wonder if this was game used or not. Well, that's probably the closest thing I own to actually saying that it was game used or not type of thing. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I do agree with it. You can't, you cannot collect everything out there. <clears throat> you got to have your own focus one way or the other. I mean, uh, you know, I looking at my stuff now and looking at all the different things that I accumulated as compared to collected. I understood some of the stuff I did as far as the accumulations yeah. concerned because I always said at this age. And I'm talking about 30 years ago when I was I was collecting this stuff. I said when I'm when I'm retired, I'm going to start selling off a lot of this stuff. I'm just going to be 30 years older, and it should be worth something. You know what I mean? But who would know that 1990 Pro Set basically is worthless 32 years <laughs> later? I mean, think about it. Yeah. I mean, seriously. You know, and yeah. I never I never went cra- You know, I didn't go crazy with it either. <clears throat> but there's there's certain things in my collection are obviously worth more than a lot of worthless things I have in my collection and or accumulation and or inventory at the same time. And I'm still blown away to this day about how little interest there is for publications. I still don't get it. I, I, I will not, I just don't understand it. Paper items and publications. And I just don't get why, they are looked down upon. They're they're not uh, overly valuable. 
Um, I, I just I just don't understand. I really don't. Um, and back it up a bit. I did do a a show uh, last Saturday in Columbia, South Carolina, and I saw a very very similar thing I saw at the National. Younger fellows with their backpacks and their little carrying cases going table uh-huh. to table and asking if I want to buy or I want to trade, and it's basically 90% of basketball. And uh, I have no interest in it whatsoever. And one guy who was doing it, he started picking up a lot of the, the actual pieces of, of football items I had, and he started asking me a lot of questions. And I said to him straight up, that's the stuff you really should be collecting. And he was floored that I said that to him. And he said, well, and, and you know, he was like, he didn't know what to say. And I said, you're going around trying to sell what everybody else has. Think about it. Just because it's a PSA 10 or it's a graded 10 or whatever, what makes that so valuable for a player who might get injured this season and never play again type of thing? Yeah. So you throw the doubt in them. Maybe they, maybe a couple of collectors, young guys say, hey, this older stuff is being given away. I think I should start picking it up as fast as possible. It was the same thing with publication. And I was talking to one guy there, and he said he said the same thing I said. He was very shocked how little interest there are in publications. And, you know, you can argue, yeah, they take up space, blah, blah, blah. But you don't need to have 5,000 publications in your collection. You can have a couple hundred nice publications, media guides, yearbooks, programs, whatever, and you got and you got something very historical there. You know what I mean? It's it's truly amazing. Truly amazing. Half of one of my tables was completely filled with publications. I sold two publications the entire day. And that wow. was a, it was just shocking yeah. to me. And it was one guy who one guy was actually he was shocked because I was the only one that had publications in the show and he said, Geez, I collect sports illustrators, they should have brought my wireless. And uh, he says, I never see publications at this show. I said, well, now you do. So he's the only guy that bought two publications from me. It's truly amazing. Truly amazing. This, uh, in the, in um, the auction also, uh, there's an incredible type one photo uh, of Jim Thorpe. What's your take on that? Yep, we probably uh, probably making, you know, Jeff uh, angry that we're outing this, but uh... – you know, hey, to me, you know, to me, everyone's going to check Heritage, but there's a 1922 Oorang Indian Type One photo with uh, with Jim Thorpe, and it's got some writing on it. Uh, somebody points out Thorpe, but just back row, dead center, Jim Thorpe, you know, wearing an Oorang Indian, you know, jersey. Uh, you know, obviously, 22 Thorpe was. As weird as it sounds, you win the you win the gold medal in a you know pentathlon and decathlon in 1912, and 10 years later you're playing on a you know on a you know, basically a you know a show uh, team. Uh, you know, obviously right before he became president of the NFL, but um, just an incredible Type One photo of of you know a little later in life, Jim Thorpe. It's it's incredible. I mean, I I've said it a hundred times. I love auctions and i love being through auctions and seeing what's coming um uh yeah our rea just popped and for the first time ever you know how sometimes baseball obviously is the darling and then a lot of times auctions like rea have 
uh, you know, football, basketball, and hockey lumped into one category, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're, we're at the children's table. For the first time ever, uh, you know, REA, all, all three of those, basketball, football, hockey, lumped together. For the first time ever, basketball led that category because usually whoever has the most auction items leads the category, and it's usually football. This is the first time I've ever mm-hmm. opened that category up, and it was three pages of basketball stuff, all modern, shiny stuff like you were talking about. And then they got into the football. And I was like, man, that basketball really took things by storm, didn't it? Yep. Yep. I mean, it's just, I, 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 it was, it, to me, it was just like a, it was a replay of the national. I'm, I'm seeing, yeah. and Brenda was with me, and I'm, I'm, and I'm saying, this is what I saw at the national the entire day. And uh, being set up with Josh Adams there, and, and he's, he would did a lot of basketball there. I mean, he had like four or five guys deep with their backpacks and their cases, looking at his stuff, <laughs> buying stuff, trading, selling, selling. I mean, I'm like, I, 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 my mouth was open for the whole thing. I was just, I was blown away by the whole, by the whole thing. And I started seeing it again at this show. I mean, a small, you're at a, you know, a relatively small show, and you got the same exact thing happening. And it's just, it, it's just amazing to me, truly amazing. And uh, I had two guys ask me, uh, and again, you know, you know, Neanderthal man behind the table here. Uh, <laughs> what do you have in in uh, I forgot the I forgot the basketball player, and I said, I'm sorry, I have no basketball whatsoever. So one guy just thanked me and walked away, and then the second guy is explaining to me how how hot basketball is, and I said, I really don't watch it. I I really never collected it, and I really have no interest in it. But I said, you know, I'm sure there's somebody here that. Could, might have something you're looking for, and sure enough, uh, there were several young guys selling graded basketball, and that was it. So, sure, it just, yeah. just blows my mind. Blows my mind. And again, yeah. put it in perspective. Put it in perspective. Here's this team photo that's 100 years old of one of the most iconic athletes in the history of sport. At the original time frame of when the NFL started in a team that no longer exists. The rarity of that particular photo is incredible. But you'd rather buy a PSA basketball yeah. card for $15,000 instead. And I mean, just look at the perspective of this. Think of yep. the parallel. This is what I, I can't comprehend in any way, shape, or form. I really can't. There's one other thing uh, from the auctions, and I did look at it. Um, It's a ticket stub or a ticket from a Raiders-Bengals game on January 13, 1991, and that was the game that Bo Jackson ended his football career because he got severely injured there. Yeah. And to me, that's a historical ticket. I don't care what anybody says. Bo Jackson was an excellent football player the few seasons that he played. Yeah, absolutely. I, to me, I'm very surprised more collectors, with the exception of the uh, some Raider collectors I know, are not more <laughs> proactive trying to collect every ticket stub and program Bo Jackson played in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, this is obviously the game where he's running down the sideline and a Bengal player tackles him from behind and Bo is 
one of the most powerful runners you'll see, and he was, you know, running so hard that when somebody grabbed his leg, he blew his hip out. I mean, like, blew yep. his hip out and had a hip replacement. Um, January 13th, 1991, like you mentioned, and I just, I noted it. Uh, and I was, you know, and then, it, you know, when we were, you know, going back and forth, I'm like, is this kind of macabre or is this a historically significant game? And rhetorical question to me, because I, I mentioned to you when we were going back and forth that uh, me, one of the holy grail tickets for Red Grange's career would be the game that, you know, he blew his knee out in, which uh, I acquired about four years ago, uh, you know, October 16th, 1927, Chicago Bears versus uh, the New York Yankees, Red Grange. Red Grange left the Bears in 25 and went to the Yankees. And uh, so they were having a game and, Again, running down the sidelines, and an old teammate on the Bears tackles him and pop blows his knee out. Uh, you know, tore his tendons. They didn't have the ability to fix tendons. You know, knee, you know, uh, you know, you know, knee blowouts back then. So he took the rest of the season off and came back. Uh, you know, you know, took the rest of the season and the next year off in 1929. I mean, the New York Yankees folded. The uh, AFL folded. The, or excuse me, the AF, yeah, the uh, you know. Uh, the Yankees league folded uh, all because range mm-hmm. was the draw, but I really sought out that ticket. I finally found talk about a rare ticket, but the unicorn of it is an unused ticket. And I found a slabbed unused ticket from that game. Uh, and it's one of my favorite things, in my collection. And, but it, it mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. marks the end of Grange's flashy career. He was still a name drop when he came back to the bears and, you know, twenty eight, twenty nine, but they're in, in twenty nine, excuse me, but he was more of a name draw. He had to, he switched over to defense because he wasn't fast enough to be on offense. Uh Nagurski took over the you know, the running for the Bears. But to me this is the end of an era. You know, it, it bookends Granger's yep. career. Uh and I never thought about it as being, you know, macabre as being a weird thing until I saw that Bo Jackson ticket. I'm like, ah, that's kinda strange. Somebody would collect that and then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, I collect that. <laughs> so, yeah, and I was like, I, to me, I think it's a it's a very collectible ticket, and I, I think it's gonna. I I actually think people are gonna be surprised to see where it ends up at. You know, I yeah. I can envision it being, uh, you know, you know, a, a possibly a five hundred to a thousand dollar ticket. You never know. So you know, if, if somebody's a true Bo Jackson collector. Yeah, like I said, he was a good football player, and can imagine what he would he could have done if uh, he stayed healthy and he continued to do, playing two sports. It been pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, it's a it's a very interesting. Um, it'll be very interesting to see where that ticket actually ends up at, and how many more tickets may come to the market from people saying, "Hey, hey, I was at that game. That was a you know." Uh, a season ticket holder or whatever, and I want to get rid of it. I didn't realize it was worth that much, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, the yeah. other thing, I, I just to make a real quick comment about ticket stubs here. If, if when you see something advertised, especially on eBay for ticket stubs, I know a lot of professional collectors or dealers in tickets will research what the game is, and if they see it's a sleeper, that the you know whoever had it. Yeah, you no, know, it was uh, their uncle Joe's uh, ticket stub in caught in a in a cigar box type of thing. 
<laughs> and I realized that it was, you know, a major game between, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys and the Packers back in 1967 type of thing or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of historical significance to the ticket stuff. That's what it comes down to, you know. So, um, yeah. you know, people need to do their research. Collectors, I know, do already. But people who are selling stuff should re- also realize that, you know, there is some uh, some – uh, very rare items you may be going over, and uh, they have historical significance to them, and they are worth much more money than you can you can anticipate at the same time. Absolutely. So Absolutely right. Uh, it's it's just it's, it's fascinating to me. And I and again I I took it nationally back you know from the first few games I ever attended in any sport, I would keep the ticket stub because I said, well you know that was my admission to the game. And, you know, I had, no, I had no vision that, you know, in 2022 I'm going to start selling this ticket stuff that I, from a game I went in 1968 or whatever. But, you know, I just thought it was, it was a nice collectible, and I always liked the program because back then programs were real, and they had a lot of information on them. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of nice photos. They were well-written articles, so on and so forth. So it was pretty cool to, to actually collect it. So it's, it's, in, it's interesting. Yeah, the I last 20 minutes or so of the show today, uh, we're going to get into our next set. We've gone through the Bowmans. We talked about the Bowmans, and we're going to start today with our tops. And we're going to start in 1955 with the one of the greatest classical vintage football card sets there is. <laughs> I've always loved this set. A yep. 1955 tops All-American 100-card set. I had the pleasure on, on uh, the show, at the show, uh, talking to an older dealer there uh, who had a and broke up a 55 Tops All-American set in mixed condition. Mm. And um, he was commenting, too, like I said, uh, he loved the set. He, was, he always enjoyed it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we also did comment how uh, a younger person really is not educated on that set. So they're going to just pass by, pass it by type of thing. But in any event, you and I both, uh, did, I, I, did you collect it and then sell it, or or, or you just got a few cards left in, in the set? Because I still have my set, my original set. Yeah, I col- collected it, sold it. I have this in all PSA 8, um, okay, uh, with right. the exception okay. of a couple of Hall of Fame rookie cards. Uh, it was one of the first sets I completed when I was trying to do my run, and uh loved it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, 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 it's kind of lost me as you start to get into the, you know, it, you know, into football history, you realize some of these rookie cards are well past it. And, you know, as you mentioned, this is, you know, Topps' attempt to get back into the, you know, professional football. Uh, Bowman's, you know, stranglehold on the NFL was uh, the contract was ending in 55 and Bowman or in uh, the tops figured they would, uh, you know, put together a set if to do anything to give people a choice at the cash register, you know, tops all American with, you know, stars that, you know, uh, you you know, Don Hudson, you know, you know, Red Grange, et cetera, or 55 Bowman that as we've both mentioned, the quality you know, of the Bowman set started to slide a little bit. Not to mention the 55 Bowman pack was kind of bland and ugly, brown and green. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was really Topps's attempt to split the revenue, you know, of the you know almighty you know collector uh, with Bowman to strangle them off to make it so they didn't have enough money to renew the NFL contract. Uh, and obviously Bowman went away in '55. '55 Bowman was their last set, and Topps took over in '56. But uh, so the '55 set to me is the you know was Topps's attempt to nudge somebody off the playing field. Uh, as you said, 100-card card set, it came in cello or five-cent packs. And uh, What was it, about six, eight, ten months ago, a nickel pack, a 55-tops All-American nickel pack, wax pack, came up for yep. sale. I think it was in Heritage. And I, we have a text thread with a bunch of us collectors. I'm like, gentlemen, this is, this is a wax collector's holy grail. I am... I'm, you know, recycling cans. I'm shaking the, the seat cushions. I'm going after this wax pack. And I want to say at about $30,000, Mike, yep, I, I, I can't do that, guys. It ended up going for uh, $60,000 was this nickel pack. Yep. Uh, pretty incredible. Uh, but what was it? About 15 years ago also, there was a collector in California whose uncle worked for Topps. And uh, he found a case of cello in the closet somewhere in the population of mm-hmm. the uh, – and, and the cellos were an immaculate collection. And, and uh, opened up a bunch of cellos, and for the first time ever, PSA 10 cards started appearing uh, on, the, on the registry. And let me look at this. It's probably still there. Uh, I happen to be on the registry, ABS. Uh, where is it? Entire finest list. Um, who was it? What was, what was the guy's name? I forget his name. Who he 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 came in. He found the uh, the cellos, and you know became the number one tops. You know, fifty five tops set. You know, with a over a nine grade. Must must be A B. Okay. Must have changed. But. Uh, but and then went away. Some really good names in here. I rattled them off for you. You know, Bill Dudley, Otto Graham, Newt Rockney, Sammy Baugh, Ken Strong, Red Grange. Red Grange had been out of the NFL for 20 years. He retired in 1935, and you know he's on a, you know, he's on a, uh, you know, you know, on a card. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, you know, going for flash, going for name recognition. Um, where is it? Uh, you know, Jim Thorpe was a huge draw. Um, you know, uh, you know, Four Horsemen was a huge one. Uh, you know, and Lou Jack, yeah, exactly. There's. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking as you're talking. I'm looking at my own 55 set right now. I pulled it out, out of the binder and. Um, I got some nice cards in the set, and I got some real nasty cards in the set. <laughs> and it's interesting. My, I, I do remember, but the last card I needed for the set was uh, was the Four Horsemen. And I was yeah. at a show, and a um, fellow dealer who I knew back then, uh, this was in the 90s, uh, he said, well, I got a, you know, I got a corner crease one. And uh, I'm looking at it right now, seeing the, if you're looking at the bottom right-hand corner of the card about an inch up. It's like a series of four creases over. It's almost like it was bent, but it didn't really come through the back of the card that bad. 
Um, and I remember I take, he said, I'll, I'll take 25 bucks for it. So I said, okay, I'll buy it from you. And at that time, the, it wasn't the explosion, you know, that we, that we saw as, as the years progressed. But I got a good deal on it. I'm happy with it. But uh, yeah. there's a couple of cards I really need. I really need not to upgrade. I didn't. Uh, my Synquitch card number 69 is a definite beater. I didn't. Re- I I haven't looked at this for a while. But uh, I got to make a list of upgrades <laughs> on this. To at least get yeah. it in VG type of thing. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, Red Grange is listed a great as an Illinois player there, and it's you know it's college. It's all American. It's you know, uh, that's the, the the name of it is Tops All-American. These were college players who were All-American. You know, Jim Thorpe Carlisle, um, you know, here I, I'm looking at the Don Hudson one. He's Alabama. The Four Horsemen are Notre Dame. Uh, you know, so it was, you know, it, absolute name recognition. Uh, college was the name of the game, uh, you know, back, you know, until the early 30s. And I would imagine it was even popular in 55. So, Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But it was, it was absolute depth. Now I have uh, I have yet to see an uncut sheet of how these were. But with a hundred card set, you can you can fit that on a hundred and thirty two you know card sheet and have some du- you know some double prints. And the way the population of this is, uh, uh, you know, I I would I would dare to guess you know the you know the you know from seventy five on. Is where you start to see, you know, some, uh, you know, you know, some short prints, or I guess right. one through right. seventy would be would be, you know, would be the the the, you know, yeah, who knows? Maybe they had varying sheets, but you've got, you know, with a hundred cards, you have thirty two extras, so maybe they, maybe they were right. them around. I don't, I don't know, but you you you've got some overlap there, but, you know, pretty populous. I mean, you know, card number eighty nine, Marshall Goldberg. As a hundred and fifty three pop in PSA eight, you know, for a you know, for you know, seventy five year old card, you know, or sixty five year old card, excuse me. That's a that's a hell of a lot of population. You know, that's a that's a pretty high pop, you know. Right, right, right. So I think I yeah. always thought I always thought the uh, all Americans to me are relatively um that difficult of a set to put together. Obviously, if you want it in yeah. you know pristine condition, it's going to be much more difficult. But at the same time, it's really not you know if you want lesser condition, there's plenty of them out there. But with the exception of the Four Horsemen, which is which is the the real money card right now uh, of the whole set. So, uh, but it's it's really a nice historic. Again, here's another example: a nice historical vintage set. That that one fifteen thousand dollar card you're buying PSA graded basketball player, you can have a, a, a historical collection of fifty five All American players with it. And it's just it's, it's amazing to me. It's just truly amazing. But um, it's it's a good set. It's a good set to collect. It's still collectible. Uh, you can still find it at shows. And I do remember it's interesting yep. too. We're thinking back at the national. The few tables I did get to, to look at stuff, uh, one dealer did have some 55 All-American commons. They were very reasonably priced, I will add, at the same time. So um, it's, you know, they're there. They're out there. I'm on uh, Near Mint Mike's uh, website. Sometimes he will uh, Sometimes he will have what an uncut sheet will look like, and even he doesn't have it. Uh, 
Right. So you've, you've got a you've got a nice picture of what uh, the box looked like, which we've seen. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, a wax tax came up for sale. The cellos, uh, you know, what what the gentleman found in the closet that his uncle worked for Tops were the cellos. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so it, it's uh, we we you know at this point we've seen the cellos. Those are incredibly valuable, obviously. But uh, um. Yeah, the, uh, the, you know, the, the wax packs. Oh, oh, here it is. Yeah, never mind. I did find it. He goes, a partial uncut sheet appeared in the online auction. I didn't realize that. So he, uh, he guesses one, two, three, four, five by 20. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. He guesses they were five by 10 sheets. And two, you know, two sheets. Uh, let's see here. Number of cards, 34 short prints. Okay, so he's, he's guessed what we did. 34 short prints and, and 33 of them, which colored green, appear on this partial sheet. Okay. That slides are incorrect. All right. So then if it's yeah. 34 short prints, there would yeah. be 64. It's a sheet of 64 of them. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, he, excuse me, the, the partial sheet that he found had, a, had 50 sh- cards on it. So he's guessing it was a full oh, okay. sheet okay. 32 with okay. 32 okay. short prints. 32, 32. Man, right. Mike, okay. Mike, Mike reminds me a lot of you. He just does a lot of you. He does the, 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 the good, the heavy lifting of the hobby. There's a lot of people like that who just spend so much time in the hobby just doing amazing things and uh, in, just and building an uncut sheet like this is so thankless tracking this stuff. It's amazing, but it's such an invaluable resource. So it's, oh, it's most uh, yeah. And the other, the oh, other it, thing too, for me, going back to, uh, or not going back to, but mentioning wrappers, all the different variation on the wrappers over the years to the obscurity of the back of the wrapper where tops had, uh, send aways, uh, giveaways, send a diamond, some of the ra- some of the wrappers you're seeing, you know, four and five, six different varieties in the back, and to try to collect those act varieties are, is very very difficult to say the least. And um, I never did it, you know, my wrapper collection that I did collect and end up selling. Long story short, I was just happy to get one of them, and that was it. And then I, then years later, I realized there were there were different side panels to them, and. I always knew there was a difference between a penny pack, nickel pack, dollar pack, so on and so forth. But I never realized the side panels were that, that different. And in some cases, especially in the late 60s, early 70s, they were definitely, definitely very different side panels of the wrappers. But, you know, some people will say, well, who cares about that? Well, it's part of the hobby. It's part of our collective. You know, so it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Do you remember when I was texting the group about that whack, that 55 uh, nickel pack? <laughs> yeah, I do. I still have it. On yeah, my, just at on some phones. Yeah, yeah. At some point, you just you, you're like, man, I have to tell my wife if I spend this much money, I got to tell my wife. There's, I mean, there's hobby money and there's stuff that you're like, all right, I can sell this and this and afford that, but. Uh, <laughs> It's it, you, you just yeah, yeah. At some point, you realize it is a little silly to have something like that. And, I mean, it's very rare. I want to say there's three of them. I, I went to check the pop, and there's like, or, or what was it? I think there's five of them graded by PSA in its entirety, and, and you know, no other no other company had graded these. I mean, it's 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 definitely 
you know, very few and far between, but I just, yeah. I mean, I love my wax pack run. I'll just have to, you know, I'll just have yeah. to have yeah. that. There be a gap in that year. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. But that is but, uh, just classic. Classic. I would, I would, you know, again, I was 10 years too late on that, but it, I, I would have loved to have seen if I was more recognizing of something like that in the late 60s or early 70s, walk into a candy shop and ask the proprietor, do you have any of last season's packs or, you know, prior <laughs> season's packs? And just imagine somebody, you know, some gentleman goes in the back room and he says, okay, you can have this whole box of uh, 1957 Pops football for a dollar. I've had it here for years type of thing. That that has to have been an amazing amazing find, but I'm sure it was prevalent back then. You know, if cops didn't take it back and they didn't, they couldn't get rid of it, you know, a lot of back then you saved stuff, you know. So uh truly amazing. Truly amazing what what could be uncovered one way or the other. We've got about yeah. six minutes left again. Uh, I want if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats magazine, what are you why are you what are you waiting for and why are you waiting for? Check out our website, gridironingreatsmagazine.com. Our latest issue, the fall issue, is on press. It hopefully will be mailed out uh, either Friday or Monday. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep everybody in suspense until that time. So, so they get it in the mail or they see it on the newsstands or on the website and, and order it then. So the 55 All-American set, truly a classic vintage set. Yep. Um, I, I think just a great, a great piece to have in your collection. If you're collecting vintage football cards, um, I have no issues with people telling me I'm going to collect 1948 to 1972. You have yep. every conceivable thing possible thrown at you in those years: short prints, condition, short um, uh, cards that are just brutally difficult to find in any condition. Just, uh, it's, it would be an amazing run. And, again, I would have no problem with somebody telling me I'm collecting 1973 to 1988 for the simple reason it's easier to collect and it's going to be less expensive for me. And I'll say you got a great vintage run there, too, because you got classic 1970s football and you got classic 1980s football, and you got a lot of great Hall of Famers and Stars and all those stuff at the same time. And then, um, again, a lot of collectors I can see they sneak into that 1989 year because they want to collect the score and they want to collect the person. The tops is completely nondescript, appreciated. Um, it's a, not a great set in my opinion, but, you know, it's a run. And then they call it quits once the explosion has occurred. And yeah. 1990, the next 32-year run of football cards is just uh, the wild, wild west up there. Yeah, uh, so many different cards, brands. I don't know how anybody can keep up with it. And um, the, the one thing I was shocked reopening that I have is just that uh, an amazing 3200 count box that's well beat up now that has mostly brand uh, newer Green Bay Packer cards in it from roughly 1992 to roughly 2010. And I forgot all about that. Uh, box of cards I had, and I say, "Wow, just coming through this is uh, trip down memory lane." And, and I'm just trying to 
<clears throat> I started to remember those two things of how I got had a lot of those cards from a couple of buys I made and so on and so forth. But uh, that's really uh, tough to complete, and more it's it's just not it's not a fun completion. You know what I'm saying? It's just not fun to try to collect twenty thousand cards from two years. That's just fun. It was kind of funny during COVID. I mean, you were collecting wax packs and, uh, and you got me into it because the next thing you know, I'm, I, yeah. I went to target and it was empty. I remember sending the group a, a, a picture and, uh, it, so I ended up on target.com and I you know bought like four, you know, boxes of it and just, just yeah. pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. Uh, you know, just, trying to collect for the sake of collecting and, you know, choosing modern, uh, you know, because it's just what we got, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, 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 oh, well. I think I, it's funny, I bought uh, one pack of, I think it's 2022 playoff cards, and I just opened it, and I just said, I think that's the first and only pack of 2022 I'll be opening this year. It did nothing for <laughs> me, and it was just a hodgepodge. A, a total hodgepodge of inserts and everything else, and it, it was a ridiculous open. It really was. I, I just laughed after I got them starting the cards up. Hey, we're down to two minutes. Two minute warning. I'll hand off to you, Joe. Would you pick up on tonight's open four? Uh, don't bid on that Steve Largent jersey. Uh, hopefully, that can go low enough where I can feel good about buying it and the provenance of it. And uh, Jeff. And I'm sorry I outed a 1922 Rang Jim Thorpe Type 1 <laughs> photo. I, I apologize, brother. Uh, trust me, I'll be right there in the trenches with you, duking it out. Um, yep. Uh, and uh, I, I think you touched on it just a minute ago where it's like, you know, if you want to collect 48 to 72, that's cool. If you want to collect 73 to 88, that's cool. Whatever you want to collect is great. Uh, we hear it time and time again from our guests, and I think Bob and I, you know, say the same thing. It's uh, collect what you love and uh, make it enjoyable. It's, yep. it, it's, it's a hobby, not a job. Um, obviously, and nobody I, wants, you know, what's yeah. to buy to lose value or lose money or be, you know, be fraudulent or fake, but, you know, that's understanding the hobby. So collect what you love. And with the last 30 seconds left of the show, my only comment is, in my man cave here, I look at, and I'll send out a photo of it, the run, which is all on one bookcase and binders. And that's what represents my collection to a large degree. And, and I always tell people, that's the last thing to go. I've got to tell everything. That's the last thing. It's, it's too, good to, too good to sell, and I still love pulling out a binder and looking at everything. We're out of time. Thanks for listening. Hope we'll be back next week with another show. Until then, uh, We'll be uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back. Take care.